while we remain standing, turn in your Bibles, please, to the book of Romans. The book of Romans. <clears throat> Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, chapter number 6. <clears throat> it's good to have you with us this morning. We as we'll call right now church-going people or people who want to learn the Bible really do need to go somewhere where you can learn the Bible and not just get emotionally feeling good about yourself. Um, look, if, if someone has said one time, would you rather have someone give you $1,000 or someone teach you how to make $1,000 constantly? Well, one has to do with character and learning to work principles and practices of life that would be the better thing to do by the way your savior's that way he's more concerned about your character than your comfort we're more concerned about our comfort god take this away don't let that happen our comfort he's more concerned about well let me teach you something and once that has become you i'm teaching on character on thursday night and some of you are quite a character but that's not what i'm teaching on i'm teaching on how to have character what is proper character. So you could be there on Thursday night at 7.30. Romans chapter number 6. Romans chapter number 6. Find verse number 12. I'll read out loud. You read along with me silently, and then we'll come back later on in the, in the, in the sermon and try to make sense of this to those that are here. Romans chapter number 6, verse number 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lusts thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. And just the first part of verse number 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you. Drop down to verse 16. <clears throat> Excuse me. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness? Verse number 19, the last part of verse number 19. Find down there where it says, even so now. You see that in verse number 19? Even so now, even so now, yield your members, servants to righteousness unto holiness. I want to talk to you this morning about the battle for control, the battle for control. And let's pray. My Father in heaven, thank you for the Bible. How, Lord, when we actually want to know it and give ourselves to it, my, what a calming effect that it has on us. What a strengthening effect that it has in us that we might be able to do the things that you want us to do. Thus, I would have to assume that the reason so many Christians are becoming worldly, falling into sin, giving up, throwing up their hands, is because they're no longer walking with you. I think in feelings, emotions, we think we are, but perhaps we're not. If I were walking with God, no matter what I was facing, you would think I would be okay and be able to continue on. But so many are throwing up their hands, calling it quits, saying that's it because they have run into things they don't like or don't understand. Help me this morning to help your people. I ask you for your help that I might be a blessing not for my sake but for their sake 
and of course the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ. And these things we ask in his name, amen. You may be seated. This world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then, Lord, what would I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door and I can't feel at home in this world anymore they're all expecting me and that's one thing I know my savior pardoned me and now I onward go I know he'll take me through though I am weak and poor and I can't feel at home in this world anymore oh Lord you know I have no friend like you if heaven's not my home then Lord what would I do the angels beckon me from heaven's open door and I can't feel at home in this world anymore just up in glory land we'll live eternally the saints on every hand where they're shouting victory their songs of sweetest praise drift back from heaven's shore and I can't feel at home in this world anymore oh Lord you know I have no friend like you if heaven's not my home then Lord what would I do the angels beckon me from heaven's open door and I can't feel at home in this world anymore Oh, Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then, Lord, what would I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. And I can't feel at home in this world, in this world, in this world. enjoy singing with Brother Mullins. He's so much like I am. Could be twins. But uh, glad to have you with us this morning. Romans chapter number six. I must teach you something. Um, there's so much misunderstanding about how God works uh, in our world today. I believe preachers, I don't know why, have decided to entertain and tell people how they can feel real good about themselves. And in all that, they have missed what God wants and how he wants us to go about it. Because of that, we are falling in the battle, we are failing, and we're giving up. Uh, I don't think any of that's necessary, but we do not understand Scripture. When somebody gives you a book of instruction, 
and you carry the book of instruction, but do not follow the book of instruction, you're not going to be able to accomplish what that book wants you to accomplish. Does that make sense? I want you to understand something. In Romans chapter number 6, listen carefully, opening statement. The responsibility to dethrone sin in a Christian's life is up to you. What we tend to believe is God takes sin out of my life, not going to happen. He will forgive the sin, but he's not taking the sin out of your life. Now, now that I have your attention, okay, wonderful. Let's do it carefully. That's left up to the individual. It is not God that stops sin from reigning. He will not stop sin from, you know what I mean by reigning? I don't mean like reigning, okay? I mean like setting up a throne. This is my territory. This is mine. That kind of running. He said, no, that does not have to happen. God will not stop that. Listen to me carefully. The devil makes our lives. He cannot make us and make sin rule. He cannot do that either. God will not stop it. The devil cannot make us. Do you understand that? Listen to me very carefully here. God gives the power and the instruction. I have the Holy Spirit inside of me. I have the power of God in me. I have the instruction. You follow me? Look up here. I got it right here. So what happens here is simply this. I no longer have to allow sin to, ready, reign. I didn't say battle. I didn't say fight. I didn't say resist. I said reign. You understand the difference between those? Everybody in here is tempted with sin. I'll show you that in a moment. Everybody in here was always going to be fussing with sin in this world, in your life, in your We're all going to keep doing that. God himself does not control the sin in our lives. The devil cannot control the sin in our lives. Now, I know that a lot of you have not been taught this. Let's be careful. Satan has power to influence to get the Christian to let sin take control of his life. Satan has influence. Folks, reason with me for a second. If the devil could make you sin and stop serving the Lord, he'd do that to everybody. But he didn't. And it's not because they're better than you or worse than you. Or No, there's, there's a method here that God wants to teach here. It is the Christian himself that is in control of sin in his life. He either lets sin, listen, reign, or he decides I'm not giving in to that and it's not going to rule my life. I didn't say you wouldn't fuss with it. I didn't say you wouldn't mess with it. I didn't say it would try to, but the devil cannot make you. God will not make you. The Lord will not stop the sin if that's not what you want, and the devil cannot make you sin if that's what you want. The God has left it up to us on what we're going to do. I want you to notice in these verses, Romans chapter number 6, go down to verse number 12. Let me point out some things here. How many of you know a little bit about English? Okay, four people, that's wonderful. Uh, no, I don't mean how to spell English. Uh, look at verse number 12. Find the words there, watch what it says, let not. You see that? So what's happening here, Paul says to the Christian, don't you let. When he says let not, he's talking to the Christian. He says, okay, listen, listen to me. Don't you let. Don't you let what? Look at verse number 13. Neither yield ye your members. Again, Paul is simply instructing, instructing, it is up to you to put a stop to what your members sinfully want to do. Now, I know what you're thinking right now. You mean to tell me... I, I have to do all this? Not all of it. But God will not force you against your will. The devil cannot force you against your will. 
It seems like it. We'll talk about that in a minute. Drop down to verse number 13. Watch what he says. But yield yourselves. You see that? Now, for all of us in here that are struggling with a sin about ready to overcome us or has, listen to me carefully. The devil wants you to throw up your hands and say, there's nothing I can do about it. That's not true. There is a battle. He cannot make you sin and give in. The Lord is not going to force you against your will to stop letting sin reign in your life. We'll talk about that more. Look at verse number 13. See verse number 13? Watch what he says. But yield yourselves. Again, you make your members, your body, yield to what is right. Now go to verse 16. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves? Servants to obey. His servants ye are to whom ye obey. Now it just makes sense. If I yield to this guy and he runs my life, I'm his servant. If I yield to this guy and yield to what he wants, I'm his servant. Does that make sense? Okay, God is making the same statement here through Paul and simply saying, you want to yield to this? Whoever's running that, running your life. You want to yield to this? Whoever's running that is running your life. But please understand, the focal point is here. It's me. It's my will. He said over and over again, to whom ye yield, neither yield ye. Let not ye. Go down to verse number 19. <clears throat> verse 19, the last part. Remember we read that? Rem okay, look up here before you get started. Okay. In this verse, he's going to bring about a point. Here's the point. He goes back into your life. He says, do you remember? Now, by the way, the Bible hardly ever talks to children and teenagers. It talks about them sometimes, but it's talking about adults. So when you read it, remember back when you were in deep sin and you're going like this, I saved it five. How much deep sin could I have been in? The Bible does not address that hardly at all. It talks to adults and those that face battles like this. Watch what happens. So in verse number 19, Paul is simply saying, do you remember the way you gave yourself to sin and wickedness before you got saved? Here's what Paul's bringing up down there in verse number 19. Look at verse number 19. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members servants to unrighteous uncleanness and iniquity unto iniquity. He said, do you remember that? He said, do you remember? Do you remember when you used to give yourself to sin? Do you remember how fully you just gave into it? Do you remember how you just walked right after it? Do you remember how many of us even fought to do what we wanted to do? Even though it was, do you remember all that? Like that, now that you're saved, look what he has to say. It is the same way now that you're saved, but unto holiness. Watch what he says. Even so now. See that? Even so now, yield your men. Who's going to do this? Well, God wants me to live right. He'll make me. No, he won't. God will not make you do anything. He will help you. He will instruct you. He will empower you. He will forgive you, but he will not make you. Christian, we're barking up the wrong tree here. We're acting as though the devil's in control and God's in control and I'm just a puppet. I'm just a chess piece on a board and they just kind of move me around and make me do what I want and I don't understand. Not true. Absolutely not true. Well, watch what he says. Even so now, see that? Even so now, yield your members, servants, to righteousness unto holiness. You remember when it used to be iniquity? Remember when you gave yourself to it? Your mind, your body, your thoughts, your feelings, your physical self, you gave to it. And boy, you went all out for that. Okay, like that, except under righteousness and holiness. Now that you're saved, do it the same way. That's what you want to do right now. There is a battle going on in and around every born-again Christian. You that are not saved, there's no battle going on around you. 
Everybody that's truly saved, there is a battle going on in and around every true born-again child of God. And the side that will win is the side that you decide I'm going to allow to rule my life. It's the side I allow to rule and reign my life. It is the one that I say, you're going to be my master. I am following your advice. I'm going to do what you tell me to do. I can do that to the devil as a Christian, and I can do that to God as a Christian. The decision is mine, my will. Please understand, God could make you serve and yield him. But he chooses the Christian to willingly, the Christian to willingly obey, follow, and yield to him. Look, God's all powerful. See, we keep writing this up. Okay, God, you're all powerful. Make me. No, I'm sorry. That's not the way God's word works. You ask him for his help and follow his instruction. And you decide, I'm going to do that. God says, okay, good. Now we're on the same page together. Please understand also. Understand that Satan, the world, and your own sinful flesh cannot make you. But they gang up on you, don't they? The world, the flesh, and the devil, those are our major enemies right there. When I say the flesh, I'm talking about your old sinful flesh. I'm talking to Christians this morning. Listen to me, Christian. You still have an old sinful nature. That's why every once in a while you still want to do this and look at that and talk that way and behave like that. That's your old sinful nature. It didn't go away because you got saved. You still have the old man draped on you. The new man came inside. So now you have the new man in here, the old man out here, the nature of God in here, and the nature of sinful flesh out here. And they're fighting back and forth. Well, who's going to win? Which one you want to win? You have to make up your mind what you want. The devil, your nature, and the world cannot make a Christian yield to sinfulness because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Well, if he's greater than that, why didn't you? See, you're missing it again. God is not going to make you live for him and you just throw up your hand like a bobber on the water and you're going to float downstream. It's not going to work that way. Satan uses our own sinful nature. You talk about a dirty player. Satan uses our own sinful nature. Everybody in this room has a sinful nature. The problem that Christians face, we now have the nature of God, Holy Father inside of us via the Holy Spirit of God, and we still have this sinful thing that we fuss with all the time. No, that's why when you look over there and you go, oh, man, look at that. You think that's holy? You think that's God? You think that's the Lord leading? No, that's sinful flesh saying, I still want. I still want to look. I still want to behave. I still want to go that way. And then you have the Holy Spirit inside of you going, don't do that. He can't make you, but he will lead and guide you in all ways of truth and righteousness. So there's this battle going on inside and around us all the time. It just seems as though that the devil, he has so much help anymore. It seems like he's forcing us, but he cannot force you. So what happens all the time, the Christian is in control if he chooses to, to yield to righteousness or unrighteousness. Your choice. Righteousness or unrighteousness. Holiness or wickedness. The pivotal thing there is you, your will. God gave you a will. Spirit or flesh. Your decision. Pure thoughts, impure thoughts. Your decision. The devil cannot make you. God will not stop you. 
what is it, Christian, that you want? The Bible said, to whom ye yield your members, to him you are the servants of. As a Christian, I can live like the devil, so to speak. I can't live like him, but you know what I mean. Okay, I don't want to live like him. But the thing we do, what he's saying is giving into it, giving into it. Listen to me, giving into it. He said, okay, you can do that. You yield your, you know what I mean when I'm members, my eyes, my ears, my feelings, my hands, my feet, places I go, the things I say, my lips, my tongue. You understand? My members, my physical members here. He said, to whom you yield your members, to him, him or him. Or him. Okay, by the way, devil's not in hell. So watch right here. But I want you to notice you are not, I'm sorry, no, you are not just, oh, I want you to notice this. You're not just yielding to this or that. You're yielding to him or who. We blame that, this, that. But watch what he says, to whom. That's an individual. That's a being. That's a person, if you would. He said, to whom you yield, not to what you yield your member to. See, our society, like many Christians, we are now attacking the wrong problem. That's why it's never getting solved. You're never going to solve the drug problem by trying to teach children how to handle themselves better. I was telling somebody the other day, I could solve this problem, but it would take about two generations. Because the problem is every parent needs to be retaught on how God said to train children. The problem is our government has stepped in and said you can't do that in your home anymore. So we have perpetuated a problem that we created and then we want God to magically take it all away. And it's not going to work that way. So what happens here? Watch what he says. It's not this. It's to, to him ye are the servants of. To him you are the servants of. Both want control. God wants to control your life. The devil wants to control your life. He said, Pastor, how can I stop this struggle in my mind, in my heart, around my life? You ready for this? You can't. You can't stop the struggle. But you don't have to yield. You understand? We're hoping that the struggle itself will go away. As long as you're on this planet, you still have a sinful nature. Everything in this world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, all of that is in the world. And the Bible said none of that's of the Father. So I have the Holy Spirit inside of me, God the Holy Spirit. I have the old sinful me because of Adam and Eve, right? So I have these two natures and they just hate one another. One wants me to walk this way and destroy my life and not serve God, not get saved, not live the way God wants me to. And the other one says, do what you want to do. Man, don't let people push you around. You have a brain, do what you want to do. And both of them are trying to go this way. Please understand once again, God will not make you. Satan cannot make you. You have a will and you need to decide. He said, Pastor, how can I stop all this from going on in my life? My sinful thoughts, the, the wanting to quit, the old habits trying to come back uh, uh, to, to, to live in my life. The critical spirit, the, the, the doubts that I have and the lack of trust in God. What can I do? When will it all stop? Isn't that what we want? It never will completely stop. You can yield your life to God's word and fight a good fight. But that battle's not going to stop till you get your brand new body, which isn't going to happen until after you die. So you say, okay, then what are you saying? I have to keep doing this? If you will. If you will. Do you want to will? Do you want to live for God? 
then the devil can't stop you. It just seems like he does. Do you not want to do what Satan wants you to do? Then don't. Bible said, let not sin, let you. Don't, don't let, don't let sin reign. Don't let it have its position. Don't let it have its way. Don't let it just set up camp and say, well, whatever. You don't have to do that. God says that very carefully here in the Bible. So it will never completely stop. The devil wants you to walk after your sinful nature. He wants you to walk that way. He will encourage you to walk that way. Why, he'll even put out things there to help you walk that way. So he uses the things that are in the world that he knows your desires really want. Now, here's where we're going again. I don't have desires for things like that. I know, but you have desires for things like that. Well, I would never think about doing that. I know, but you thought about doing that. So don't compare yourself to other people. Well, I know a person who, yeah, but you did what? So the devil uses what our natural sinful desires would want. He's been around a long time. He knows mankind. He knows what tempts us. He knows what's exciting to us. He knows what we really long for that we have to fight against. And if we ever stop fighting, we'll give in to it. You understand? Okay. I want you to turn, if you would please, to 1 John. Way up by Revelation. 1 John. First John chapter number 2. If you, Christian, listen to me, if you yield, yield. I didn't say sometimes I, I win a battle, sometimes. So basically you're still fighting. That's good. That'll always happen. But when you say I'm yielding, I'm quitting, I'm done, I'm not going on. I don't care what people think. I've had it. Uh, I'm giving up. You've just now allowed sin to take up a place in you and reign and rule your life. You know who calls that? You, you decide I don't want to fight anymore. I don't want to struggle anymore. I don't want this feeling that I have to all the time be fighting against right and, and I'll try to do wrong and, and I want to do this and, and that constant battle back and forth is never going to stop, but you have a decision to make. First John chapter number two, look at verse number 16. For all that is in all, do you see that word? See that three-letter word? For all that is in the world, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, talking about God, but is of the world. This is what the devil uses to gang up on you to get you to yield. He knows what man really desires. Our sinful flesh desires. So he has built this world. By the way, God is not in charge of this world, and we keep blaming him for everything. Well, if God's in charge of it, why didn't he change this? Because he didn't do this. Mankind did this. And we just keep walking with the devil and walking with the world and walking with the unsaved. And when it doesn't turn out right, we blame God. God is not at fault here. We are at fault here. The Lord, on the other hand, wants us to follow the Holy Spirit and truth. You're not following the Holy Spirit if it's not according to truth. Care what dreams you had, visions you had, what angel talked to you lately, doesn't matter. He uses things that would attack us on the, uh, attack, attack, attract us on the spiritual side. He would never, God would never tempt you to draw you away to sin. That's one way you know whether it's of the devil or it's of the Lord. The Lord many times will test, put us in a very tough situation to see what we would do. The devil puts us in a tough situation to draw us into sin and get us away from God. Yeah, you understand? You see what I'm saying? Okay, watch what happens here. He uses things God does. Truth, peace, righteousness, 
honesty, holiness. He uses the things that are true and holy and righteous and pure because if you will yield to these, if you will yield to these, if you will yield, if you will yield, I, God said, I'm going to make it. No, God's not going to make you, dear Christian friend. It won't. Okay, well, is it worth fighting for someone you love? Well, if they make me love them, I guess I will. That's not love. That's not care. Somebody's got to start fighting for what's right and saying, no, I love the Lord and it's worth the fight. It's worth the call. I'm going to do this. And you have to understand God has given you a will. He's also given you his power inside and he's given you his instruction. Now he says, what will you? What do you want to do? It's in your court. The devil cannot make you. God will not make you. Whoever you yield to, they become your master, Christian. There's a battle in and around you. It is you that must decide which way you'll go. You determine to let sin reign or keep fighting a battle. You decide whether God, Christ, holiness is worth it or hang that stuff. Everybody else is getting over, nothing's happening. I think I'll do that. Okay, 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 okay. Just understand when you stand before God, you only have you to blame. Because he's given you the power, he's given you the information, he's given you a church, he's given you a preacher, he's given you a Bible, he's given you other Christians around, he's given you every help you could possibly need. Nobody can force you against your own will. God put that in your court. So watch what he says here in, in John chapter, 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. All that is in the world, lust of the eyes, whatever, look up here, whatever comes into these gates goes into the backyard. Whatever comes in, they used to call them the eye gate. Whatever comes into the eye gate comes in and weighs a picture. If I were to go cow, you don't go, oh, C-O-W, cow. No, no, we think, we th okay, a cow, I got a picture. Okay, I have a picture of a cow, right? The same thing here. All that is in the world, the lust of the eyes. This is why the world is, um, if you don't think that advertising works, somebody's wasting billions of dollars on advertising. You know why they advertise and spend billions of dollars on advertising every year? Because it works. It works. The devil knows this, and this is what he uses, the lust of the eyes. There's certain things I've always wanted to look at, I wanted to see. Oh, did you see that? Oh, I wonder what that's all. I think I'll go over and look at that. He's a master at doing it. Hold on, hold on. He can't make you. This is something you're going to have to fight against. This is something you have to understand and recognize and say, no way, Jose. That's Spanish for those folks over there. Now, then he says this, lust of the flesh. This is so, my own flesh wants to destroy me. That sounds so terrible. My own flesh, not the Holy Spirit, not God in me, not this part. My old sinful flesh says, hang that, I'm destroying you if I can. What does he do? He tries to get me to yield to the things of the world. But it's my decision. My own flesh can't make it. This is the pride of life. The pride of life here, ready? I don't have to. I do what I want to do. Nobody can make me. I'm, nobody's my master. Hmm. Got a lot of pride, do you? I have pride in myself, you know. Yeah, I know. I know. You'll stand for what's wrong just because you don't want anybody to tell you what to do. So, by the way, Christian, our spirit is the connection between us and God. 
God does not talk to you here. God does not talk to you here. I'm not talking about reading the Bible. I'm talking about talking to you. When a man gets saved, his spirit is quickened, is made alive. Up until that point, you have a spirit, but it's dead unto God. There's no communication. There's no connection there. That's why the Bible said his spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So if you're not saved, you do not have the spirit of God. Quit your praying. Quit your talking. God can't hear you. He's not listening. You're not his child. A reality check. You ready for that one? So we got people all over the world praying for God to do what they want him to do, and God is not obligated to listen to anybody that's not his child. And even if you are, if you've allowed sin to reign in your life, there is a prayer he's waiting to hear from you. And it's not give me more, bail me out, help me feel better. It is God, forgive me, I'm sorry. That's what he's waiting to hear. So what do we have here is that spirit is that connecting point, okay? We go over into, I think it's John chapter number three or five, where he's talking to the woman at the well there in Samaria, and he says, now uh, the time comes and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Lord in spirit. That's your spirit. And in truth. Not the Holy Spirit, your spirit. Now that you are saved and has come alive, you must willingly give yourself to God. God wants you to do that. So every Christian fights these battles. Everything I just mentioned, I don't care where you were born, don't care when you were saved, don't care who your mommy and daddy were, don't care what's going on in your life. Every born-again Christian, if you are a born-again Christian, you have these battles in and around you constantly, which is really what wears the Christians out, I think. These are the areas that God and Satan tries to influence us in. God and the devil both tries to influence us in similar choices sometimes. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. Sometimes because we are either ignorant of the Bible, and I don't mean you're stupid, you just didn't, I didn't know that was even in there, ignorant, I, I didn't know. Or... Um, it just didn't make sense to you, whatever the case is. Watch what happens here. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. There are things that most of us, yeah, but nobody's gone through this before. Oh, yeah, thousands have. Oh, yeah, they have. Yeah, but I'm a single mom. And, oh, thousands, thousands. Yeah, but uh, uh, when I was a kid, yeah, thousands, thousands. It's common among people anymore. It's just common. Always has been, always will be. So first of all, quit looking at yourself like you're an exception to the rules. You're peculiar. No, most of the things that happen to most of us just common to man. Happens to everybody. Everybody gets COVID and gets shots except for me, and that's just common to people that don't know what they're doing. Anyway, so watch what happens here. So he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. So why do we give in to wrong and others overcome? How come I gave in and they didn't? By the one that we determine I'm giving myself to. I can give in. And I tell people all the time, I can give in right now. Go right down here to the casino, get drunk, spend all my money and do what I, you know, preacher, you wouldn't do that. I said, I can. Quit looking at me like that. Your halo's starting to choke you. You could do the same thing. All you got to do is just decide, I don't care anymore, and you start serving the devil, the world, and the flesh. Or you say, no, sir, no, sir. I've been tempted to do that. I haven't, honey. Not, I'm, I'm talking. Okay. 
I can be tempted. I fight that battle. I at times almost give in. At times maybe in certain things I do give in, but then I turn and say, no, this isn't right. I'm going to stand for God. See, I'm still fighting the battle. Sin is not reigning. Sin does not have a place. It's trying to get a place. But I, because God told me to, will not allow that to happen. So let's talk about the devil in your mind. <laughs> not the devil in your mind, but the devil and your mind. Anything that misleads from truth is of the devil. Anything. But my boyfriend, he, he's so good to me. He's of the devil and you know it. What does he use? Ready? Here's what you're thinking. Murder, rape, robbery. No, no, no. Human logic. Oh, that happens in public schools all the time. Isn't that what parents do? You go to school and you do what that teacher says. The humanistic philosophy, human logic. Nobody's bringing up the Bible anymore and we send our kids there. Earthly knowledge, suggestive mental pictures, lies. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 16, it calls it the fiery darts of the wicked. The fiery darts of the wicked. Back in Greek and Roman days, uh, the fiery darts were these. They would ambush or even from a, a wall or a castle, whatever, they would actually light on what they called uh, darts. They were like uh, arrows and also uh, javelins. And they would put something on the end, a pitch or something that would catch fire. And then they would shoot them. And then when it shot, it would land up even against a shield and it would burn, but it burned itself out because it hit the shield. And the shield was what was saving them. Okay, you understand? Fiery darts were always shot. In battle, they were always coming. You never know where they're even coming from. And then all of a sudden, bam, there it hits you. And it's called the fiery darts of the wicked. Using any and all things to flood the mind. I looked over here, I looked over there, I looked over here, I looked over there, I looked over here. What can I look? I can't look. I even go to church, I'm seeing the wrong things. What am I supposed to do? Flooding the mind. The mind. With things that we see, that we hear that we talk about. Who we let control the mind, we will serve. The mind, look up here, controls the body. That's why the Bible says Jesus is the head of the church. Not me, not you. He's the head of the church. So now we understand the mind. These fiery darts are tossed into our mind seemingly out of nowhere. No, they come in here and they come in here and they come out here and they just keep attacking the mind all the time. And the Bible said that for you need the shield of faith. Faith isn't just, I believe God and everything will be okay. No, that's childish, infantile belief. Our human sinful flesh, that would be our desires, <clears throat> our ungodly sinful desires. There's some desires we may have. I desire to serve the Lord. That's a good thing, right? I desire to treat you the way you need to be treated. That's a good thing. Well, some of you may not be so good. Only any and all things the devil will use to excite our old sinful nature. He'll use anything to excite our old sinful, to excite our old sin. We have an old sinful nature. How can I get that thing to really catch fire and destroy so he has a lot of ways. Go to James chapter number one. If you're in Corinthians, go toward Revelation. Go past the book of Hebrews to James chapter number one. I was reading this the other day and I learned some more about this. I've read this uh, thousands of times, but um, I, 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 a little more light was shown on this to me. 
folks, once you decide to throw up your hands, look, if, if you're swimming and you get so tired, you say, I can't do it and throw up your hands, I can tell you what's going to happen to you. You're going to drown. I don't need a Ouija board. I do not need a Bible. I do not need the Holy Spirit lead me. You're going to drown. When you decide I'm not fighting to survive anymore, you're going to drown. When you decide, well, if that's what God wants, no, you're going to drown. Because here's what God wants. God said, fight the good fight of faith. The Bible says that you earnestly uh, um, contend for the faith. Fight for it. Fight for it. Stand up. Accept it. Make sure it's what you want. And just keep fighting for it till the very day you die. Paul said, I have fought a good fight. I kept the faith. Paul said, I did this all of my life. He didn't say he won everything. He said, boy, I was in a good one. You ever been in a good fight? Anybody, ladies, don't raise your hands, please. You ever been in a good fight? I mean, when it's done, I, when I used to do that, it used to, I, I didn't like it, to be honest with you. I, I was, say I was good at it, but whatever. I just, I just, um, when it was done, it was like, man, man, am I worn. And somebody says, how'd it go? That's a good fight. That's a good one. Man, I was in a good one. We see that big scar here, my eyes all black over here, and knuckles are all bleeding. Man, that's a good one right there. That's what Paul said. He said, I was into it with the world, the flesh, and the devil ever since the day I got saved, and now it's coming to the end, and I'll tell you this much right now. I was in a good one. I was in, he didn't say, God helped me through it all and took me by the collar and made me serve him, and I wanted to do it, but he wouldn't let me. See, these are the kind of testimonies we hear from people. I wanted to do sinful, and God grabbed me by the nap of the neck, and his angels flew me over to safety. You're lying. That's not happening. That did not happen. So, look in James chapter 1, verse 14. Now, I'm just going to keep bringing up the Bible, and you can do with it what you think you need to do. Now, watch me very carefully. Look at, look at your Bible. But every man is tempted. Every man is drawn away to sin. Didn't say you had to, but you're drawn that way. Every man is tempted, drawn away to sin. That's what it means. When he is drawn away of his own lust. That's your old sinful nature, your sinful desires. Now watch this very carefully. And enticed. You know what that means? It actually means this. Drawn on by excitement, hope, and desire. Boy, if I do that, this, you know, it may actually work out. I, I might actually be able to. See, I already have lust. Every man is tempted. P please look at me and listen to me. Ladies, that means you too. Every man is tempted, trying to be drawn away by his own lust and enticed. You know what that means? Set on fire to excitement. Well, guess what the devil uses to excite our flesh? He's trying to set it on fire, right? He's trying to, right in here, he sets our flesh. What we naturally want to do, but it's sinful. Now that we have God, God says, uh-uh, I don't want you doing that anymore. My decision. So what's he say? But every man is tempted. Every man is drawn away when he is drawn away of his own lust. Nobody made you do this. You have this in you. If you do not yield to God, you will give in to this. So he draw, then he said enticed, drawn on by excitement, hope, or desire. Watch this. Then, then, after all that, then, ready? Then when lust, your own sinful desires, have been allowed to do what it wants? Then, when your own sinful desires, you've given in, I'm going to do this, 
I don't care. I can't stop myself. All that kind of stuff. You know, what would you? Okay, watch. Bringeth, uh, I'm sorry. It bringeth forth sin. Sin when it is finished. Not when it gets started. That's the deceitful part about sin and the excitement, right? Yeah, but I can't stop myself. This is so exciting. I, I, I just want to go on to, and it's afterward. It's afterward. This is what we say to people. Yeah, well, you wouldn't feel bad if you hadn't got caught. That's probably true. Because as long as there's excitement, as long as there's the thrill, as long as there's the fulfillment, who wouldn't want that? But see, the back end of that's all empty. Christian, you cannot do that and continue to serve the Lord in righteousness and serve the way you're supposed to serve. So he says this. Okay, you ready? I know what the devil's trying to do to you. I know what I would like to do to you. Neither one of us can make you. You have to make up your mind what you want to do. But God is, 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 if you would, leveling the playing field by at least telling us, okay, this is the way this works. It works this way. You have a sinful nature. All that's in the world, lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, pride of life, that's not of me. So anything that draws you closer to the world is not of the Father. I don't care if it's in church or out of church. It's not of the Father. This is why the God of this world has filled this world with anything and all things to draw you away from God. So here's what we tell our kids. Our kids go, but I can't have fun doing anything anymore. You mean worldly, sinful stuff. I thought you were a born-again Christian. But we as parents start feeling guilty because our kids just can't have any fun anymore. You mean sinful stuff? You mean run the block? You mean smoke? You mean cuss, lay around, right? Watch dirty stuff. Oh, is that, the, is that the fun you're talking about? Can you not see what's going on in our streets because they just all want to go out and have fun? But that's what we run into. And then our spirit. The pride of life. This is important. You ever hear a team, uh, when they refer to a team, and they'll say, boy, I'll tell you something, that team has spirit. What do you think about? Ooh, and that's not what we're talking about. They're talking about attitude. Man, they got an attitude. That team's going to win. Do you check out their attitude? Man, they're going at it. So actually you're talking about their spirit, right? And so watch what happens. The devil, by constant wickedness, Christian, listen to me, here's your battle. By constant wickedness, evil pressure, constant sinfulness all around us cause a fight between our flesh and our spirit. He just keeps stoking up that fire and stoking up that fire and stoking up that fire. Every time you turn around, he throws on another log. You know who allows him to do that? We did. Like gossip. Gossip will set you on fire. News media will set you on fire. You know why? They never have a good story. I'm sorry, right at the end. Hey, they got a puppy out of a well. Yay, the world is better. So they never told you about people who just got married, brand new child was born, new church got started, right? They're all over the but they don't tell you that part. Why? Because it's being ran, I know you don't understand this, I'm not trying to get all spooky on you, by the God of this world. And that's not our God that we know in heaven. You see, the devil knows our spirit is our connecting point with God. He knows this. So somewhere, if I can get you as a born-again Christian to get a bad attitude, if I can get you to sit there and cross your arms and stare at me as if to say, now you have to have your arms crossed. I'm good. Miss Vicky, God bless your heart. Miss Vicky, is he talking to me? Listen, the devil knows you're connecting with God 
so that you can understand the word, so that your prayer can be answered. He is, he is the mediator between us and God, the Holy Spirit. He is the one that connects with us. When I have a bad attitude and I do not want to do this and I don't care what people think, he cannot communicate with me. When that becomes real worldly and I don't care anymore, that community, he's still there. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. But you just cut the line to have that connection with God. And the devil knows if I can get you to get a bad attitude and sit in church and go, everybody's singing. I know what they're so happy about. This is why you do not amen when you finally feel like it. This is why you do not sing when you finally are buoyed up in the spirit. This is, the Bible said you come through those gates with thanksgiving and praise on your lips, singing praises unto the Lord. You, come, you know why? Because it's what's right. It helps to set your attitude the way it needs to be. Quit, quit wanting us to be. Look, we're not cheerleaders. I'd probably be good at it, but I'm not a cheerleader. Right? Ngawa, we got the power. Now, listen to me. You have got to understand, God has put you in control of you. He's given you the power. He's given you the guidance. He's given you everything that you need. But God said, I am not going to make you. You are a free moral agent. You decide who you want to serve. But please understand, to whom you yield, he becomes your master. Are you listening to me? So a lot of the things we blame God or the world for was our decision. Because most of this stuff is common to man. It's just common to man. I want you to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Go backward, three or four books, you'll bump into it. 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. All of these areas must be brought into subjection to Bible truth. All the stuff in your life, all the stuff in your mind, all the habits you say yes, no, all those kind of have got to be brought into subjection. You have got to... Uh, I have to take some pills right now. I, I broke out in some itching the other day. and It's okay. It's very contagious. Glad to shake hands with you. Uh, but uh, I, I have to take them in the morning. So now I take some vitamins. I know I'm getting all healthy and stuff, and you're so proud of me. Uh, and so I take, I take some vitamins, vitamin D, vitamin B, that kind of stuff. Really the only medicine that is, has anything to do with my real health, if you would, is my blood pressure. And so I take that now. So here in the morning, I have to lay them all out. I counted four of those, two of those, one of those. Was it six of those? I don't remember. And I put that, okay, and I put them all on my desk, get a big handful, take a little water, throw them all in my mouth and stop. Now my wife would take her six hours to do that because she does one at a time. And each one, her, her, her throat just locks up. Honey, I can't swallow. Sure you can. Just put it in your mouth and swallow. No, no, it's not that easy. How do you eat food? Ready? Ready? Here's her answer to everything. That's different. Second Corinthians chapter number 10. Truth is what sets the Christian free. You've heard that, right? Truth will make the Christian free. Is that right? Okay. Most of the time we use that out of context. Truth in the mind controls thoughts and imagination. Truth in the mind controls thoughts and imaginations. I didn't say things don't keep trying to run in there. It will always be that way as long as you're on this evil, sinful planet. But look in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and go to verse number 4. Now, if you're a born-again Christian, you have spiritual weapons 
that the world doesn't know anything about. And that's why you look and sound so weird sometimes. And you're going to what? Just pray about it? That's it? What, you're just going to forgive and let it go? Man, you need to get in the battle and make them pay. Right? That's what the world teaches. Watch what it says. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, go down to verse number 4. For the weapons of our warfare, he's talking to Christians, are not carnal. That means fleshly. You're born again, but we do not fight like the world does. We do not fight like unsaved people do. We do not fight like people who run in the world. We don't do that. But mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. It didn't say God would pull them down. It says what he's given to us, the weapons he's given us, are mighty to pull down even strongholds. You know what a stronghold is? Uh, one of the best illustrations I've ever found or ever used was back in World War, was it two when we fought the Japanese? Okay. They knew that on certain islands and certain places that we would have the strategic places we'd have to go through. So they were there ahead of time and they built what they called pillboxes. And what they did, they went and dug out in the side of a hill. They went in and reinforced it with steel and concrete and said, we're going to make a stand right here. We know the allies are coming this direction sooner or later. They have to. And when they come here, we're not giving in. We'll fight to the death. We're not about ready to give up. But we've always believed we'll die first. This is what happens to you when you sit in church sometimes. The devil knew at a certain time in your life, you'll probably run into an old-fashioned Baptist preacher and he's going to preach hellfire, damnation, get right with God or die, and you're going to go, what? Who turned this guy loose? Now, all of a sudden, I mentioned some things. All right, I'll mention uh, the Catholic faith. There's nothing faith about it and there's nothing right about it. You're going, my mom and dad are Catholics. They're good people. I didn't say they weren't good people. But the devil knew I'd hit on that sooner or later. How does he know that? Because I do it regularly. <laughs> but here's what happens. You have things in your mind since the time you were a child that have been taught that's right and that's wrong. Not all of it agrees with God. But they're strongholds because some from the time you were born into this world, somebody that loves you, could be a mom, a teacher, a dad, a brother, somebody, maybe another preacher, has said this is what's right. You bought into that. And then over the years, you reinforced it and reinforced it and reinforced it. And your argument is, man, it's, it's, it's hard. I got, I got a good argument. Then you run into the truth. Now you have a battle going on. The devil knew this was coming. So he set you up to do what you want to do and, and, and act the way you want to act and, and believe what you want to believe. And, and why would people lie to me? A lot of people didn't lie to you. They told you the truth the way they thought the truth was. But the Bible said, let God be true and every man a liar. So even if it were my mom, if my mom did not agree with the Bible, my mom was the liar. Whether she meant to be or not. You understand what I just said? Does that make sense to you? Okay. So what happens here is this. Watch what's happening. So the weapons of our warfare, now that I'm born again, I can't fight like people in the world do. I cannot fight the way flesh wants to fight. I have to fight with the weapons that God gave me. Now what happens when I decide to do that? Look at the next verse here. Verse number five. When I first ran into that, I thought, this can't be right. Casting down imaginations? You know, it's those things you make up in your head. The things when you just stare, your mind gets to wandering off someplace and you make up a story, make up a fantasy, make up a something. That's an imagination. Watch. Casting that down. And, and, and 
every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. Well, I just think, doesn't mean a thing. Well, I've always thought, doesn't mean a thing. What you're doing is trying to exalt yourself against the knowledge of God. Now, once you finally understand what God, watch what he says here. Now, he said, verse number five, casting down imaginations, every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. That doesn't mean make up what you think God would do. We have a Bible. And bringing into captivity, are you kidding me? Every thought to the obedience of Christ, you have to do that. No, that's not what the Bible teaches. I can't think that way. No, that is not what God instructs. I can't go that way. So I'm bringing everything that says, yeah, but this is okay. That's not everybody. All those high things against the knowledge of God. He said, I can, I can bring those into subjection to his word. Christian, you must on purpose yield to truth. Truth is not always convenient, and it's not always easy. It's just the truth. So now I have a decision. What am I going to do? So you have to understand, put truth in your mind and obey it. There you go. That's it. Okay, we're done. Ready? Put truth in your mind and obey it. That's all. Put truth in your mind, and you have a will. You have a will. God gave it to you. In Romans, he talks about God made a law of the mind. It's called the will. The problem is your flesh tries to capture your mind and bring it into subjection of sin of the flesh. And God said, uh-uh, I made a rule. I made a law for him, actually, in that same scripture. I made four of them, and one of them is this, the will. The will. You decide. So what do we have here? You say, Pastor, how do I get rid of all the wrong feelings and the emotions and the thoughts that I have? I I say things I shouldn't. I look at things I shouldn't. I I go places I shouldn't do. Number one, you do not know the word of God. That's most Christians' big problem. Fellas, I cannot get you to open up your Bible and read it and study it. When's the last time you sat down and wrote out any type of principle or truth in the Bible for you? I read it all the time. I think it's in Revolutions or Genesis or something. I don't know. I know. I read my Bible all the time. Really? That's interesting. So number one, how can you stop this? What's going on? Number one, the biggest problem is we're ignorant of God's word. What does God say I need to do or not do? I can't even do it until I know that part. The second part is this. You know it, but you will not yield yourself to do it. Well, I just don't think you have to go that far. Okay. You decide. You ever looked at a Christian and go like this? Man, he's really went all the way, didn't he? What do you mean? There's a shorter way? So what if I go halfway? Is that, is that more acceptable? But something happens when we go, man, that guy went all out. Like there's something wrong with that. You don't say that against your favorite football team when they win. You go like that. Boy, that's too bad. They went all out. You don't say that. The guy's running a marathon. You go, you know something? He went 10 miles. Boy, if he'd just gone six more. But that's good, 10 miles. No, it's not good. He failed. He quit. It's called a marathon for a reason. It's not called a sprint. This is what we're doing in Christianity. So we have to understand some things here. I want you to go to Romans chapter 12. You know you always wanted a Bible teacher. Yeah, I'm not one, so I thought I'd bring that up. 
I like, I like teachers, preachers who teach. They, 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 they help me in my imagination, in my mind to learn. If you do not do what you learn, it's worthless. You're starving to death. I tell you where there's food and water, but you don't go there. It's worthless. Okay? Make sense? Okay. Look in Romans chapter 12. You change your mind and body by deciding to yield to their... Did you get that? You change your mind and your body. Look at me. You change your mind, imaginations, thoughts, all these things, and what your body does or does not do according to truth. Say it again. Did you get it? How do I change? I cannot stop it. How do I fight a good fight? How do I resist? How do I stand my ground? How do I continue to follow God? How do I do these things, preacher? Again, I would say, you don't know your Bible. That's your biggest hindrance. Number two, you may know some things about the Bible, but you're not doing what you already know you should be doing. That's not going to work. But in Romans chapter 12, verse number two, look at this. And be not conformed to this world. Do you know what that means? Formed. Conformed. Formed. Uh, it's like a real good illustration is water, concrete. You, you, Brother Gio and some of you other guys, Brother Jerry, there he is. These guys work concrete. I just gave you advertisement, so you get, I get a little royalty on that. And what you do, you just don't go, I'll get back to the truck and just pour it on the ground. doesn't matter. The guy wants concrete. We gave him concrete. No, you have to have a form. And then whatever form you built is what that concrete's going to adjust to. Did you follow? Did that make sense? Okay. Ready? What he said? Be not conformed to, what's the next words? What? This world. Do not be shaped and formed according to what this world. Why? Because all that's in the world, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, is not of the Father, right? So we come to find out this world keeps trying to form us and make us fit in to their preconceived mold. So watch what he says here. So then he says, but be a transformed. You've seen transformers, right? Okay, okay. got one guy up here that's been sitting a lot. Now, it means change from what you were and how the world conformed you to your new nature and what God wants. I have to be trans. Okay, the whole world has formed me this way. I lie when it's convenient and I'll fight because I have to and, and I don't care what you think. Sometimes you just have to lie. You know how the world teaches. Man, I get saved. I was telling somebody the other day when I first got saved, uh, I, I, I'm not bragging, honestly. I'm not. I used to fight a lot. And uh, when I got saved, I would say things and my brother looked at me and said, you can't do that anymore. What do you mean I can't do that anymore? Sure I can. He said, no, you can't do that. God doesn't, Jesus doesn't want you fighting like that anymore. It was so frustrating to me because I was, I was just learning how to fight real good one way, fleshly, physically, and now I've got to change the whole thing, learn how to fight all over again. Totally different method altogether. It's just so frustrating because you're just getting things down. You know your way around the world. You know what to avoid. You know what to get into. You know what you should and shouldn't do. It's all sinful, but you, at least you've, you're familiar. Then you get saved. The preacher goes, you can't do that anymore. What? Sure you can. Now you shouldn't go there anymore. What? My friends go there. What? And everything is like, okay, now I'm fighting this fight. Why doesn't it get easier? It will. It will. Watch what he says. Be not conformed. Don't allow the world to put you in its mold, but be a transformed. Change what from what you were and how the world conformed you to your new nature and the image of God. How can this happen, preacher? 
How can, I, how can God make it? God's not going to make it happen. Watch the next verse. But by the renewing of your mind, your will. You want to live for God or not? Yeah, but will God take all this away? No, he won't. But you can fight a good fight of faith. What is it you want? See, we, here's what we do. If I can't do it all perfect, I might as well quit. You're not going to last long. That's like saying, I want to get in a fight, but I don't want to get hit. I have a suggestion. Don't ever get in a fight. I hate to sound carnal about this, but basically it's the same thing. It's called a battle. You're in a fight with the world, the flesh, and the devil, and it's going to beat the, 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 the mucus membrane right out of you. You say, what? Snot. Yeah, snot. That's what that is. In Hebrew, it's, it's called snot. No, I can't. I made that up. Now, watch what happens here. By the renewing of your mind. Do you know why some of you can never really take a stand on the Bible and say, I know this is right? You've never proven it. You say it's right because it's the Bible. I mean, we're supposed to say, no, it's not true. So we go, yeah, the Bible's true. But you never proved it to yourself. Watch what he says. Watch. That ye may, let's go ahead and read it. That ye may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. How am I going to do that? Well, first of all, I got to not be, I can't be conformed to the world anymore. That's got to go. That's got to go. And then I need to be transformed. This whole thing needs to change. By the renewing of my, oh, renewing of my mind. I need to start putting good stuff in here. I need to start putting God stuff in here. Spirit stuff, good spirit stuff in here. I need to do that. Why? Because then when I do that, now my life begins to transform. Now that it's transformed, I can see and acknowledge the good things that God talks about. Look, it's happening. Folks, you, you know my testimony. You know what I used to be. Don't look at me and go like, yeah, how do I know it's true? Are you kidding me? Look at the people around you. They were drunks. And we got people here in this church that were this close to divorce, kids running wild, and now they're some of the best people we have. Okay, we have one family like that. but Now, I'm kidding. But you're not staying at it long enough and fighting long enough to see the proof of the will of God in your life. You have to decide what you want to fight for. There will always be this battle for control. Why? The devil's relentless. And God made you a promise. You know what the promise was? I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. So he's relentless. He ain't leaving. This is going to be a battle. The devil cannot force you against your will. God will not force you against your will. You are in charge of who you yield your body, mind, and spirit to. Now, the reason I'm saying all this is because all of the fake, false, babyfied teaching and preaching that preachers are doing. As long as you're happy in the spirit, God will take care of everything else. No, he won't. And then when he does it, we're shocked and we get upset. Well, I tried that and it didn't work. You didn't work it. In a battle, you have to work it. You have to do according to what you've been trained to do. There will always be this battle. Why do some Christians, why do some Christians have more victory than other Christians? God doesn't favor them more. God doesn't do that. God will not do that. God does not show favoritism. Why do some Christians seem to be more under control than others? Ready? Ready? No big secret. To whom ye yield your members, to him ye are the servants of. You want to serve God? Go serve him. It's going to be a battle. It's going to be a fight. 
Hold on. You ready, Christian? You ready, born-again Christian? You want to throw your hands up and quit and serve the Lord, serve the devil and the world? Okay, go ahead. Your choice. But once you get out here and find out this destroyed you even more, if you're not careful, you'll blame him for not making you serve him, making your church perfect, making your family do what's right, making, making like you didn't have a choice in the matter. You have a choice. The battle is real, but it is your choice which one you decide to serve. Turn to Philippians and we'll close right here. You, need, you say, preacher, what do I do then? You need to flood your mind and your life with good, wholesome, righteous things. Philippians. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, you see that? Okay. Always remember those four books, General Electric Power Company. It's all down there. Okay. There you go. Philippians chapter number four. Whatever's in the mind, whatever's in, that camera looks like it's crooked, doesn't it, on the bottom? Is that the camera? Looks like we're looking over there. Can you see me? This is what it's all about, right here. We good? Okay, can you see me? Can you see me now? Okay, good, wonderful. Now, Philippians chapter number four. Whatever you put in your mind, is going to control you. Good or bad, sinful or holy. Your decision. You can do it not paying attention, still coming in. If you're going to live for God, you're going to do it on purpose. Watch what it says. Philippians chapter number four. Go down to verse number six. Ready? Our, our whole world, we're so upset about everything, right? We have to have pills for everything. I just told you I took a whole handful of them. Most of them are just vitamins. They're just vitamins, okay? Don't look at me like I'm a hypocrite. He just said he took pills all the time. Um, we're, we're nervous. We go to my wife when she had her cancer surgery she was on. They gave her, what was that they gave you in the hospital? Morphine. And so they gave her morphine. And I think it was the second day she said, I don't want to take any of this stuff. They said, well, we still want to have pain. She goes, I know. Just give me some Tylenol. Her doctor later on said, well, so how long were you on morphine or all this? Because she goes, about a day and a half. And he said, what did you take for pain? We just assumed going through surgery, there's some natural pain that comes along with it. Guess what the doctor said? Not today. People want no pain and they'll be on drugs as long as we'll allow them to stay on drugs. You know what? We don't want to face anything. We don't want to, as a matter of fact, we're not going to hurt. And if God said, I have to endure some things and I have to go through some battles, I'm just not going to do that because I, I mean, if he wants me to do it, he can make me do it. No, he won't make you do that. So look what it says, Philippians chapter number four, verse number six. Be careful for nothing. Careful means to be anxious, to be overly worried, concerned. Ready? But in everything, right off the bat, we're doing things wrong. Can you tell me what those next two, but in, what's the next two words? I'm sorry, everything? How about bad things? How about things you don't like? How about things that are inconvenient? How about devastating things? In everything by prayer and supplication. Oh, yeah, that's a catcher right there, right? With thanksgiving. 
So even before we get to the place where he starts talking about the mind, which you're doing your Bible study ahead of me right now, but look up here. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known. What do you want? What is it you need? You're in the middle of this battle. You're going, what is it you're asking me for? That request, not, I'd like a Cadillac. No, not that kind of stuff. Watch what he says here. After this, requests made known to God. So have you been thanking God, praying to God, going to him with supplication, begging God, saying, God, I want what you want. I need this so that I can glorify you. Those kinds of, make your, let, tell me your request. Ready? And the peace of God. After all, after verse number six, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It didn't say Christ Jesus is going to do it. The peace of God shall keep my mind and my heart, my emotions, my feelings, my thoughts, my imagination, everything. People have more mental problems and digestive problems than probably ever before in history. Do you know why? Because that right there. Do, do you know what um, psychosomatic illness is? I don't even know if they use that term anymore because it's offensive. But anyway, it is when a person may have a sickness or something going wrong, but the way they think about it all the time aggravates the situation to make it even more than what it needed to be. There's some people can make themselves sick. You walk in the room like, a, oh, you're not feeling well, are you? I'm feeling good. Does he look good to you? No, he doesn't look good to me either. <laughs> he, he looks like he's got kind of pale. The guy on the end says he's looking a little pale. And before later on, he stops by the office. He goes, like, hey, preacher, you know, now it's a minute. I don't think I'm feeling very well. It's what people do to me all the time. Preacher, there's a sickness going around. Are you feeling okay? Yeah, I'm feeling fine. Well, everybody's getting sick, you know. No, I'm feeling fine. You better be careful because everybody's getting sick. No, I'm doing fine. Have you taken anything for it? I'm not sick. I'm fine. You're trying to talk me into it. Ready? As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. He said, but what if I get sick and I told him I wasn't going to? Okay. But why talk yourself into it? So watch what he says in verse number 7. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding. We just don't understand. How can they go through all of that and still seem like everything's okay? How can they do that? Shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ. You're going to have to follow the Lord. Amen. Make up your mind. Finally, brethren, whew, you are causing you more problems than probably the devil is. Why? Watch. Whatsoever things are true. Okay, let's start there. Whatsoever things are honest. Whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. And the peace of God, bing, I'm okay. The whole world's vomiting on itself, and you see Christians just going along going, yeah, I'll take care, it'll be okay, don't worry about it. The apostle Paul was in prison. Peter, it kills me about Peter. Peter was got arrested, got beat up, and, and they wanted to make sure he stayed in jail, so they chained him to a couple of the guards. That night, Holy Spirit came along and said, you need to get out of here. Come on, we need to go. He had to wake him up twice, I think. Peter said, no, I'm good. Peter, you're in prison. You're chained to a couple of guards. We need to get you out of here. He said, I'm okay. So he finally had to get the chains off of him, went, opened the door, 
part that I love most about this. They went to, I think it was Rhoda's house, and knocked on, and Peter, Peter, who was in prison, they were praying for him that night. Oh, Lord, please deliver Peter. You know how much he means to us. So somebody's knocking on the door. Rhoda goes to the house and says, Peter's here. She slams the door, runs back inside to everybody that was praying that Peter would be delivered, and said, Peter's at the front door. Peter's not at the front door. Peter's at the front door. I just saw it. Peter's not at the front door. You ready? It's probably just his angel. How many people would run to the front door to see an angel? I would. I can't believe what Christians do sometimes. So watch what happens here. Most Christians are like the conformed lost world. We move by emotion. We move by feelings. We yield to things God doesn't want us to yield to. We move by human logic and sight. And the devil did not make you good. Fill in the blank. I'm trying to take the excuse away or the lie away or the error away so you realize God gave you more control over your life than you realize. Your sinful feelings are too strong to guide you because you keep yielding your members to the wrong thing. It's like saying, sick them to a dog, throw, throw, throw another log on the fire. You keep starting up more and more of a fire and keep begging God to put it out. No, God said, you tell me, you repent, and now you decide how you want to live. I will help you. I will instruct you. I will give you these things. Christians have a bad spirit. God cannot use you because your mind is in an uproar, because you won't yield to truth. When pastor, youth director, Bible reading, Holy Spirit speaks to you, not because you cannot help yourself. You, you got up this morning, came to church, God didn't make you do that, and evidently the devil didn't stop you. You decided, I am going to go to church this morning. I'm going to listen to that old funny preacher. I'm going to go up there. That's what I'm going to do. But because you are yielding to the wrong master, everybody that should have been here this morning and didn't, said, no, I'm just tired. No, your flesh said, we don't need to assemble ourselves together like God said. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. By the way, you cannot yield to God's ways and wants and obey him when you do not know his word. How can you yield, obey, and trust somebody you don't even know their word? Folks, I'm not trying to shame you. I'm trying to wake you up to this battle that's going on in and around you all the time. I want you to bow your head. Would you do that for me, please? Nobody moving, not even the altar people. I'd like you to consider praying something with me. I'd like you to consider saying this. God, I've made up my mind to get my mind, my flesh, and my spirit into subjection to your will. God, I've made up my mind to get my mind, my flesh, my spirit into subjection to your word. I will yield to do it. I will. I'll yield to it. Whether I like it or not, if it's right, I'm going to do it. I'll yield to that. I will fight my old sinful nature, my emotions, my feelings, my logic, that doesn't mean anything when it comes to your word. I want what you want. I will acknowledge right now, God's will is what I want in my life. I want what God wants. I will give God and my pastor the right of way to guide me by coming to church regularly, praying and studying God's word to obey it. To obey it. In a moment, we're going to give an invitation. 
When we do that, I want you to listen very carefully. Don't get so caught up in learning maybe Bible, you forget what this is all about. There is a constant battle going on in and around you all the time. Christian, I'm talking to you. You that are not saved, none of this has anything to do with you. It really doesn't. And you say, well, why would I want to get saved and get in this battle? Because it's worth it. When you meet Jesus, by the old song, it will be worth it all when we see Christ. When you finally look at him and Paul said, I fought a good fight. I kept the faith. I did it. I did it. I knew it was possible. All I had to do is just keep fighting, keep pushing forward. I mean, keep going after that for which I was apprehended. And now I know what this is all about. That will be a glorious day. Right now, it doesn't seem like it all the time. Right now, it's just a hard, tough battle, day after day after day after day. And in the middle of all that, God will say, well done. You did good. I'm proud of you. Come on, let's do it again. You yield. You yield. God, I want you to know right now, I want to yield to you. I really do. I may not know what all that means yet, but I'm just letting you know I want to. I'm not giving in to the world, the flesh, and the devil. I'm not just going to throw up my hands and, well, if that's what God wants, God, I know what you want now. You want me on purpose to serve you. In a moment, she's going to play. If you need to be saved, but you need to come right now and say, God, I, I need to get in this battle. I need to start serving you. I need to do what is right. And you've allowed me to do that. Even when it comes to salvation, the devil will try to stop you. God's not going to force you. You have a will. Do you want to be saved? Let whosoever will, let him come and take of the water of life freely. Are you saved, my dear friend? Do you know Jesus Christ is your Savior? If you do not, how about this morning? Christian, most of this preaching was for you this morning. Are you hoping God will magically take it away? Are you hoping magically things will just change? Are you hoping that sooner or later things will just turn the corner and it will be okay? So basically you're telling God, you do it all and I'll see what I'll do. And God said, no, 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 no. I want to help you learn to live like my son Jesus Christ. And you're going to have to fight to do that. In a moment she's going to play. When she begins to play, right off the bat, I want you to get out of your seat. I want you to come down this altar and let's do some business with God this morning. Father, thank you for...